Last week we began a series, well, we continued our series on 2020 Clear Vision. And we began the story of the Apostle Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus. Here's what we're believing in this church through our 2020 vision. Throughout the course of this year, for the rest of the year, we're going to preach about vision. There are so many passages in scripture that speak to clarity of vision. We have this audacious faith, and it's biblically substantiated, that if we believe God for his word, if we do what the Bible tells us to do, and live according to the way scripture tells us to live, we will see what God promises that we will see. It's real simple. It's a mathematical equation. So we are believing for crazy things. For example, we are believing that all of our prodigal sons and daughters will come back home this year in Jesus' name. We are believing that our families, our entire families, will be saved. How many believe that? We are believing, and it's a biblical 1 Peter 2.24, we are wholeheartedly, completely believing without any doubt for healing in our respective bodies, for health, for holy health. We are believing for the seven H's. We're believing for God to open doors and open windows and open portals that no man can close. We are believing that our children will be filled with God's Holy Spirit. We are believing for a prophetic generation to rise up. We're believing for a revival and awakening where more people will come to Jesus this year through this church than in the past 10 years combined. We are believing that every single time a drug addict, an alcohol addict, a sex addict, a porn addict, whatever addiction may be, we are believing that by the time they come into this building, they will be inundated, saturated. They're going to be tackled by the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the angels of God, the power of God, and they will be set free. We are believing God for big things. In our respective lives, we are believing God that our promises, his promises will come to pass and the dream he gave us will be fulfilled. We're believing God for great things. We're believing that God's going to surround us with the right kind of people. Say amen. amen. With people that will enable us, help us see the fulfillment of his purpose in us, with us, and through us. We are believing for the seven H's. This man named Saul of Tarsus, he was en route. Let's recap quickly. Acts chapter 9. He, here's a story. He was en route. This guy was a religious leader. He was very well educated. He was very well off. He was the leader amongst the leaders of the Jewish faith. He would have what today would be an equivalent to a PhD from Stanford. Brilliant man. The other side of the coin, uh, he was very committed to preserving his Jewish faith. As a result... He would kill these new emerging Christians. These Christ followers really irritated him. Christians irritated him. Yes. Has a Christian ever irritated him? For a different story anyway. But Christians really got on his nerve. So he would actually have them killed. True story. He was en route to Damascus to acquire a list of Christians in order to persecute them, either imprison them, best case scenario, worst case scenario, pff, do away. So he's en route to Damascus. En route to Damascus, Jesus shows up. By the way, this is Jesus doing a cameo appearance. If you know anything about scripture, Jesus technically ascended in Acts chapter 1. What does that mean? He was crucified. He resurrected in Acts chapter 1. Jesus looks at a crowd and says, I'm out of here, but I'm coming back. In the meantime, I'm going to send you my spirit. What I have inside of me, it's a person. That spirit, me in spirit form, my spirit is going to take care of filling you. But I'm going to come back the same way you see me going up. You're going to see me coming down. I'm, I'm leaving. Acts chapter 1. This is Acts chapter 9. Jesus has a cameo appearance. Technically speaking, he's not even supposed to be here. And yet he shows up for this guy named Saul, Paul. How about that? 
Jesus showed up for you. He showed up for you when others gave up on you. He showed up for you when others said, there's no way you're going to do it. He showed up for you. He showed up. For, that's why you're here right now, because he showed up for you. So, so he's en route, and all of a sudden, let me read it to make sure I'm not making this up. Jesus shows up like a light, blinds this man, just overtakes him, overwhelms him. Here's verse 4 verbatim. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I want to title this message, today's version, Grounded by Grace, Lifted by Destiny, and Blinded by Love. Let me repeat. Grounded by grace, lifted by destiny, blinded by love. So he fell to the ground. This, we covered this last week, but if you weren't here last week, let me just recap for a second. He, Jesus shows up like a light. Woo! Here's this. Saul ends up like this on the ground. So I just want to remind you that, that, that if you're on the ground, it's not because the devil made you fall. Because God has the power to likewise place you on the ground. And, and when God grounds you, it's not equivalent to the devil making you fall. When God grounds you, it is not to punish you. It is to equip you. It is to prepare you. It is to redeem you. It is to reform you. It is to change things in you and from around you. When God grounds you, I, I alluded to last week, and the analogy I used was an airplane. It's real simple. He grounds you because he wants to fix something that's in you. He grounds you because he's fixing you. Sometimes he'll ground you even when you don't need fixing. called schedule maintenance sometimes when you're flying really high matter of fact i was this morning i'm a baseball aficionado i'm a, I'm a new york yankees fan four generations and and it is what it is right so as a baseball fan something in baseball you will see you will never see in football you will never see in basketball in baseball this guy could be on a streak with the exception of a hitting streak but they, when, it's a, when it's a home run streak in baseball, the manager, I've seen this with the Yankees this past season, this guy was on fire. He hit home runs every single day for five games. On the sixth game, Mr. Boone benched him. And you, you would say, woo, no, because Mr. Boone has these algorithms on his little iPad. He knows that if he gives him one day break, he will have seven more days of home runs. But if he lets him play one more day, he may strain his muscle and not be able to be effective for the rest of the season. I'm preaching to three people with a baseball analogy to get any baseball. So even when you're flying high, God still may ground you, not to punish you, but to make sure that the next chapter will be greater than the previous chapter you were there. Because he's privy to your strengths and your weaknesses. So God will ground you for that. And the third reason he'll ground you is to give you upgrades. We, they ground the plane when, it, when that plane needs to be upgraded to do what it's never done before. He'll upgrade you. I'm, I'm going to remind you of last week, but let me prophesy to you fresh right now. If you've been grounded, I need you to, I want you to hear me. You're not on the ground because the devil put you there. You're on the ground because God is doing something new in your life. God is doing, he's refurbishing you. He's doing something amazing. I promise you that you are about to come out of that gate. And you and your family are about to fly higher than ever before in all of your life. You get grounded. But then the next part is really interesting. That's the part we want to get to. He, he fell on the ground and he heard a voice. And the voice was this. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Here's Saul on the ground. And he hears a voice. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you coming after me? Stop for a second. Saul could have easily have said, I don't even know you. 
coming after you. I'm coming after the people that follow you. Precisely. That's what Jesus meant. In other words, hey, every time anyone comes after my people. See, this should provoke at least three hallelujahs and four amens. Jesus is saying, when you come after one of my children, you're coming after. How many here are grateful that God has your back? No, no, no. God literally has your back. He told them, if you come after them, you're coming after me. You don't even have to attack me directly. All you have to do is come after them. If you come after one of my children, you're coming after me. You need to let all your haters know, all of your enemies know, whatever devil has there come up against you, you need to warn them. You say, let me warn you, you're not just coming after the Rodriguez family. I'm going to warn you, you're not just coming after the Smith family or the Carter family. You're coming after Jesus himself because I am a child of God. He's coming after me. In Matthew chapter 5, there's a powerful verse. Blessed are those that are persecuted for my name's sake. Blessed are those that are mocked. Those that are even spoken negatively about, that are lied about, they have an inheritance. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this, you, they lie about you, say evil things about you because you are my children. God blesses you. Matter of fact, he says, if they come after you, my followers, if they persecute you, they lie about you. Verse 12, Matthew 5, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. The persecution. All of a sudden, let me read it. Now, so he's, why are you coming after me? Here's Saul on the ground. That's it. Huh? I'm coming after what? And then Jesus tells him, now go, go into the city and follow my instructions there. What? The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Sometimes the people around you will not see what you are seeing. Let me repeat that one more time. Sometimes the people around you will not see what you are seeing. Sometimes even the closest people to you cannot comprehend what stands before you. Matter of fact, they, they, got, they, they were people around him, but the men with Saul stood speechless. They had nothing to say, for they heard the sound of someone's voice. If you do the Greek exeget there, they heard the sound of the voice. They were not completely privy to the details of the conversation. They just heard an exchange taking place. They heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. There are things that only God may want you to see. You're going you're gonna to get this. In. The fact that other people can't bear witness to it does not make it less real. Sometimes the only one that heard the word was you. Even though there were people close to you, you're the only one that heard the word. So you begin to act on the word that you heard. The people around you can't even explain what you're acting, why you're doing what you're doing. But then you have to tell them, but you, have to tell them, but you were there, but they didn't hear it because it wasn't meant for them to hear it. They were not in the right posture. As a matter of fact, the only one that hit the ground was him. They were around, but they did not hit the ground. You missed this right now. He, he was around people. Come on. It, it, 
this common sense, if Jesus shows up like a light, and you're, it's you and your posse. Posse is a sacramental term for your entourage, your associates, your partners, your collaborators. If you and your posse are right here, but somehow Jesus shows up like a light, the only one that hit the ground was Saul. The other ones did not. I bet you if these guys would have hit the ground, they would have heard what Saul heard, and they would have seen what Saul, oh, You're not getting this right now. This humility right here speaks to accolades. The guy that hit the ground heard a word and saw something that the others did not. Your people around you, they may want to judge you. They misunderstand you. They don't understand what you heard when you were here. But when, oh man, but one year later, two years later, three years later, when you're no longer here, but you are up here, they're going to believe that God gave you a word when you were over there. Not everyone is meant to hear it. Not everyone is meant to see it. There are things that God says, maybe this is just for you. Can you carry my word? Can you see it? We're going to get there now. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, ask me and I will show you remarkable secrets that you do not even know about things that are yet to come. And here, he, then here comes the fun part. Verse 8, I'm about to drop the mic on this. Because it just speaks to me, speaks to you, but watch this. Saul, hearing from Jesus, this is what he did. Now, I have to, I got to illustrate this. Help me out. Help me, tell me, help me out. Somebody help me out. Yeah, yeah, you guys, come on. All three of you, please. The three amigos. Y'all help me out. You're my posse. He was literally with his team around him. And I mean in close proximity. So the wording there by Dr. Luke is critical. Because it wasn't like they were down there. They were right here with them. Literally right here. This is crazy. Imagine you're walking. We're walking together, right? We're walking down some street in Sacramento, J Street Capital, whatever it is. And we're walking wherever Temple's at, wherever. So we're walking, and all of a sudden, I hit the ground. And the guys just, they, they, they all just stood there, right? Now, this is the part, verse 8, I'm going to read it, because this is the part that makes, this is the part that gets to me. Saul picked himself off the ground. This is the part that gets to me. No, no, where, where you, that's too far away. You're, we're, we're a posse. He falls. He has, he's grounded by God. Grounded by grace. He has a conversation with Jesus. Who does a cameo appearance? Not even supposed to be there. Technically, he... So he's not even supposed to be there. But he shows up, does a cameo appearance. He hears, and then he does this. Hold on. It's not like these guys picked him up. I'm, you're going to get this in a second. Saul picked himself up. Off the ground. I got to show you what this looks like. Are you going to get this? He goes, he just encountered Jesus. He saw the light. He kids, he hears from heaven and his friends are around him. And Paul does this. There are people that are still here because you're waiting for somebody to pick you up. God is looking for people that know how to pick themselves off 
the ground. God is looking for at least seven people in this church right now that know what it is to pick yourself up. You may be surrounded by people. You still need to learn to pick yourself up. Is there anybody here who knows what it is to get yourself off the ground? Is there anyone here who knows what it is to pick yourself up even when people were around you? Lift up both hands. Oh, you're going to get this. If you know what it is, lift up your hands. If you know what it really is, lift up both hands. Let me show you something. Get, no, get, 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 watch, 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 watch. Saul picked himself up. That was intentional. No, you missed it. He could have said, help me, but he didn't. I want to tell you why it is better to pick yourself up. Are you ready for this? It is better for you to pick yourself up. I'm going to tell you why. Because sometimes, if you see me on the ground, what would be your first reaction? Right. But sometimes people want to pick you up before it's time. Sometimes with good intentions, they want to prematurely pick you up when God is not done with you yet. When God is not done working on you. When God is not done restoring you. When God is not done reforming you. Are you getting this? So you try to pick me up with good intentions and you say, well, no, 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 hold on. I've been grounded by grace. I've been grounded by grace. God is doing a work with me. I, I got you. I know you love me, but let, let God finish the work. Philippians 1, 6. Let, sometimes people want you to run. when you're, It's not your season to run yet. And they want to get you off the ground. Come on, you got to go hurry, hurry, hurry. And God says, I'm doing a work in him. I got this, but he's for you're wasting time. No, Joe 225. I'm the God that restores back time. I'll give you the time back that was lost, the time that was perceived. That's the, the second reason why you want to learn how to pick yourself up. You come on, get, get around me. It, it, uh, it's because guys pick me up. If you do pick me up, somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road, you can say. Hey, Pastor Sam. Remember seven years ago when you were on the ground and I was there to pick you up? Honey, I want to live in a place in my life where the only one that gets the glory for picking me up is the one who died for me, the one who resurrected. Are you with me right now? I love you, but I don't want you to turn on me 10 years from now and tell me you picked me up. You did not pick me up. Jesus picked me up. Grace picked me up. Mercy picked me up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're done, we're done, we're done, we're done. Pick yourself up! And of course, it's not with your strength, but with the strength of Christ in you. He had a word! up yet they were there they were there I'm a, let me, let, let's, let's rock your, your, your theology for a second not only were they there 
but we did not see a Thomas Kincaid picture of Jesus. Of Jesus going like my son. Didn't happen. Jesus looked at him and said, I gave you a word. What you gonna do? Some people are waiting for, oh, you gave me a word, Jesus. Now I'm going to need you to help me get up. Now I'm going to need you to do this, do this, do this. Man, that boy got a word. All he got was a word from heaven. All he got was a word. Listen, not even instructions. Here's the word. Get up. Go to the city and wait until I change your destiny when you get there. Okay. I don't... All you need is a word. You don't need somebody to pick you up. You need to get yourself up with the word that God already gave you. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. You need to learn to lay hands on yourself. Prophesy to yourself. Pray with your, you. Need to, you need to learn to rebuke yourself. You need to learn to get, you need to learn to have a service all by yourself and praise God all by yourself. It's that word. He got, he picked himself up. He picked himself up. Up, stop. Five chapters later. Acts 14. He's now the Apostle Paul. Saul of Tarsus was grounded in order to be launched as the Apostle Paul. That's what God does. And when five chapters later, he's now the Mac Daddy Mac. He's the Apostle Paul. Next to Jesus, arguably the most prominent figure in the New Testament. Without a doubt. And he's the Apostle Paul. He goes into a city. He preaches the gospel. He goes in there and says, there's only one way. His name is Jesus. The, the, the one I used to persecute and prosecute, the one that I encountered on the road, that, he, he's for reals. I am not kidding. He did a cameo appearance just for me. He's for real. I'm a smart guy. I got a Stanford PhD. He's for real. I'm telling you, accept him right now. Boy, the Jewish leaders were so upset they gave him a beat down. They beat that boy down so bad. Read, I'm not making it up. The Bible says that the people thought he was dead. So it wasn't like a tum-tum. They jacked this guy up, discombobulated, beat down. Boom. He was messed up. They took his body and they dragged it out of the town. Whoop. And they threw him there like, a, like just like a garbage, like a dog outside. That dog on the ground. Boom. This is Paul. On the ground again. Read it. I'm not making it up. Somebody read it. He was, this time he was surrounded by believers. Y'all surround me. I got to read it for you because to keep it legal, I want to make sure you, I don't want you to think that I'm, I want to make sure you think I'm not making this up. So, so, but as the believers gathered around him, Paul got himself up. He got up and went back. You missed it. This time he still had believers around him. His peeps. They saw him on the ground. And yet Paul, on the ground again, stretch out your hand. I, I got this. I got this. If I could get up in the presence of Jesus. If I could get up in the presence of Jesus. 
five chapters ago I can get up in the presence of a town that just kicked me out I can get up in the presence of any circumstance that ever comes to my life I'm here to tell you right now this is the year you're gonna get back up and you're gonna see the glory of God shine on your life like never before and he will get all the honor of is there anyone here ready to get yourself up and give God your Lift up your hands. We're done. Pick yourself up. This message is for everyone who is still waiting for somebody to help you. You got a word. The word in itself is what you need. There's a word of God. There's a promise of God in you. God is telling you, I have a word. That word should drive you to get up. That word should compel you. That word should catapult you. That word is in itself. In the beginning was the word and the word was of God. And the word was God and the word became flesh and he dwelt amongst men. The word. I want you to lift up both hands. In Acts chapter 9, when Saul did this, when he got up, George, give me a blindfold. Put it on Nate real quick. He got up. We're done. Watch this. When he finally got up. So I want you to watch this. You did it? All right, here it is. Nate, go down for a second, Pastor Nate, go down. When I tell you to get up, go down completely. When I tell you to get up, get up by yourself. Go ahead, get up. Here's what he did. When he got up, he opened up his eyes, read it, and he discovered he was blind. Oh, snap. Now he's blind. He wasn't blind before. He was blind. And Jesus told him, go into the city. Go ahead, go to Damascus. But you can't see. Some people are driven by what they see. You're going to have to be driven by what you heard. Can you trust me, Saul? Can you trust me? You won't see it, but can you trust me? Can you walk a season blind? Can you walk a season of your life where you don't know all the answers? You don't know how. You don't know when. You don't know where. You don't know why. The only know you know is a who. As long as you know that Jesus is the one that gave you the word. You're going to repeat the words of Job. I don't know anything. I don't know about this. I don't know about that. There's one thing I do know. I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know that my Redeemer lives. How many here know that Jesus is in charge of your life? How many do not have all the answers, but you know that God is on the throne? How many don't have all the answers, but you know that if God said it, it will come to pass? Lift up your hands. If you know, not think. If you know that his promises are yes and amen, raise one hand. If you know that he never lies, raise both hands. If you know that everything he promised will come to pass without exception, raise both hands and a foot. If you know that, you, that faith is trusting God when life makes no sense, raise both hands and both feet. And now let me ask you, if you are willing to 2 Corinthians 5, 7, if you are willing to walk by faith, and not by sight this year and this decade. Open up your mouth and praise them like you actually mean it. I dare you to lift up your hands. 
and tell God, I will follow you. Lead me and I will follow. Let your spirit lead me and I will follow. Even when it makes no sense, let your Holy Spirit lead me and I will follow. I will be led by your word. I will be led by your spirit. I will be led by your grace. I will be led by your love. Lead me and I will follow. Stand with me. You are standing. Those that are not. Why would he blind them? Ladies and gentlemen, why would Jesus blind Saul of Tarsus? Why would he blind them? God will blind you to your now in order to give you vision for your next. What you saw was so horrific. What you've seen with these eyes. You've seen yourself as a murderer. You've seen my children innocently slaughtered. You have seen injustice, religious bigotry. What you have seen has been so horrific. I'm going to blind you to the now. I'm going to blind you to your past in order to give you a vision for your future. I'm going to blind you to the drama in order to give you vision of destiny. So I'm going to blind you. It means that for a while, you're going to have to be led. Trust. Trusting God. Even when things make no sense. Can you lift up your hands? I sense the Lord speaking right now. Trusting God. Even when all the data is not there. Can you trust God? Can you trust God? Can you be led? Can you be led? Can you, lead, can you permit the Holy Spirit to take you by the hand and say, just follow me. I got you. I got you, I got you, I got you. This year and this decade, I am believing in the name of Jesus that you will lead the kind of life where the spirit of the living God will lead you in your path. He will lead you in every single step you take. If you, be, if you believe this for you and your family, lift up both hands right now. If you never want to leave yourself again, but you want the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ indeed, to lead you wherever you go, lift up those hands a little bit higher. If you're willing to do it even when you don't have all the answers, when the bank account is not full, when the medical report is inconclusive, when the relationship is not working out, if you're willing to be led by God's Spirit, when things superficially in your human eyes seem to be falling apart, will you be led by the Spirit of God? Say yes. Somebody shout yes. If you lead me, I will follow. If you lead me, I will follow with your hands raised. I sense Jesus. God will sometimes, ah, he will blind you to what you see in the mirror in order to open up your eyes to what you see in the spirit. Walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know where I'm going, but he does. I don't know what's next, but he does. I don't know what's in front of me, but he does. <sighs> New eyes. With your hands raised. Heavenly Father, I declare that in every family, every home right now, in this auditorium and those watching around the world, I declare that in your family, in your home, in your faith, in your integrity, in your health, in your finances, in your calling, in your church, in your business, in your relationships, 
you will see what you have never seen before. You will see the glory, the grace, and the gift of the risen Christ in you, with you, and through you like never before. Next time you open up your eyes, you will be in your place of destiny. It will no longer be Saul of Tarsus. It will be the Apostle Paul changing the world. If you believe this word for you and your house, if you know what it is to pick yourself up, listen carefully. It doesn't mean by your own strength. It's by the strength that Christ has placed in you. It's 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's by the strength of Christ. Let the weak say, I am strong. It's that. Pick yourself up today. Which means use what God has already given you. Use the word. Use the strength. Use the wherewithal, the fortitude he's already placed in you. Get yourself up. So no man can ever say it was because of them. Let God get all the glory. Pick yourself up today. Pursue him even when life makes no sense. And I promise you, according to the word of God, that you will open up your eyes and you will see, oh, you will see miracle signs and wonders harvest. You will see the glory and the promises of God in you and in those you love like never before. If this word is 179.3% for you, now give God the best praise you've given him this entire year.